Excellent job this morning, guys. And uh, just, uh, I, I, you can tell, um, it, it's much like preaching, and, uh, but you can tell when uh, sometimes we just go through the motions, and then you can tell when the Holy Spirit's all over something. And I thank uh, the uh, band this morning for allowing the Spirit to lead them. And uh, I'm going to do my best to follow suit uh, this morning. If you have your Bibles, grab them and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. I told you that uh, God has completely taken this message away from me. And uh, if you follow me on any social media, I probably gave away half of this message last week. But God began to lay this on my heart. Um, over and over and over and over and after everything that happened this weekend um, began to take place God said this is a time for you to stop and uh, go out of your plans out of uh, what I've already given you and I just want you to encourage the people this morning in a time of where we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow where we don't know what the next news story is going to be like and we turn on our televisions, and now, I, I, I'll just be honest with you, for many of us, if I'm honest with you about my life and myself, I would say that many of you are in this same boat. When we go and we look at our social media, and because everything is given uh, the same amount of space, whether it's a cat video or five officers being murdered in Dallas, we tend to now either be so horrified by it, and that we cry out to God, or we become completely apathetic to where we say, Happens all the time. And, and i got to be honest with you is that many of us in this room, and including myself at times where we see tragedies and we see evil continuing to, to be more and more prevalent in our country, we just tend to go, eh, it's, it's happened and you know we've just kind of went on with things. And we don't look at this steady progression of God judging our country. You know, I, I hear a lot of great... Um, evangelical leaders that have thousands in their churches, one here in town, who basically said this the other day. It doesn't really matter who's elected as president. Uh, if, if Trump's elected, if Hillary's elected, it doesn't matter. God is sovereign, and, and, and life will go on, and, and God is in control, and he knows everything. That's true, right? I mean, that's absolutely true. But the fact of the matter is, is when we say things like this, is that God is sovereign, God is in complete control. Nothing catches him off guard. What, what I've never said and what, what some people tend to think at times when people say that is everything's going to be okay in this life. Everything's going to be just, you know, just fine and our country's going to be awesome and, and everything's going to be wonderful. And I'm telling you, it, just because God is sovereign and God is in control does not mean that God won't judge our country. Does not mean that God will not lay his hand of judgment out on our country and continue to see the things that we're seeing. It does not mean that God will not strike us with more calamity financially. It does not mean that God will not continue to, to release his hand of protection as, as the Bible talks about as one of his acts of judgment on his people is to remove the hedge of protection. It does not mean that that won't happen. And so when we say that God is sovereign, God is in control, God has everything where, where, where it needs to be, and God, nothing catches him off guard, it does not mean that we won't face persecution. It does not mean that we won't have to walk through the fiery trials. It does not mean that life's just going to be sunshine and rainbows. 
But it does mean that we have one who is in control. It does mean that we have one that walks by us daily. It does mean that we have one that has indwelled us uh, to give us the power that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in us as followers of Jesus. And it does mean that we are able to overcome the tactics of the enemy. It does mean that we are able to overcome the, the, the forces of this world that is so evil because they can't take it from us because we have an eternity waiting for us in heaven. Amen? And so, I just want to encourage us this morning with everything that we see, from everything that happened this week, from the verdict that was handed down that everyone just threw their arms up and said, are you kidding me? To everything else that has taken place. I just want to encourage us this morning. So, Isaiah chapter 11, if you have uh, your passage there. Now, at Christmas time, before I get there, at Christmas time we sing a song that goes like this joy to the world the lord is come let earth receive her king let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing we sing that about the birth of christ every every christmas uh uh, celebration usually will have joy to the world in it but i believe that that song wasn't written for the birth of christ it was written for the return of christ it was written for the millennial kingdom because i want you to listen to this He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the brow. He comes to make his righteousness known far as the curse is found. You see, when Jesus came the first time, he came as a humble, suffering servant. But when he comes the second time, he's coming back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's coming back to set up his kingdom. And, and let, me, let me share some things with you, best of what I believe the Bible teaches. Now, I know there are people that may disagree with this, but I am a dispensationalist, pre-tribulation, pre-millennial uh, understander, so to speak, in my theology of eschatology, of, of last things. Of final things. I believe that the church will be raptured before the tribulation takes place. I believe that that will onset the the tribulation in this earth. Three and a half years of peace and three and a half years of war. Then I believe that Christ is coming back at the battle of, of Megiddo or the battle of Armageddon. In the valley of Megiddo where he will slay all of the armies that are turning against Israel. I also believe... That at this time, God will set up his kingdom, a millennial kingdom, where there will be a literal thousand year reign of Christ. The Bible says that the beast and the false prophet by this time, the great military leader and the, and, and, and the, the false spiritual leader will be thrown into the lake of fire. But at this time, Satan and his demons will be bound for a thousand years. And peace will rule and reign. Now, I want to I share with you this encouragement because as brothers and sisters in Christ, we tend to think what's going on and we see things and we go, you know, I know God is faithful. I know God is sovereign, but, but what is his plan? And I just want to lay this out for you. So Isaiah chapter 11 says this. Now, keep in mind that during this time, Judah has a king named Ahaz that is that is completely going against the principles of God. He actually is the first king of Judah that sacrificed his child by burning him alive to the God of Molech when he passed through the fire. This is what uh, uh, 2 Kings tells us. 
this, this king is so wicked, uh, he, he is not righteous, everyone looks at his administration and goes, are you kidding me? Like, like what is going on? And Isaiah the prophet comes along and begins to speak the words of the Lord. And these are some of the things that he's saying. And this is about Christ. Listen to what it says. I want you to first see the, the, the start of a Davidic ruler in chapter 11. I have no notes. I just have the text of the word of God this morning. Because I'm just telling you, God has just birthed this message in me. So just hold on. I'll tell you when to write down some notes. Then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse. And a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. A spirit of wisdom and understanding. A spirit of counsel and strength. A spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. He will not execute justice by what he hears with his ears. But he will judge the poor righteously and execute justice for the oppressed of the land. He will strike the land with discipline from his mouth. And he will kill the wicked with a command from his lips. Righteousness and faithfulness will be a belt around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. And the leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf, the young lion, and the fatling will be together. And a child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze. Their young ones will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like an ox. An infant will play beside the cobra's pit. And a toddler will put his hand into a snake's den. No one will harm or destroy on my entire holy mountain. For the land will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the sea is filled with water. On that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will seek him and his resting place will be glorious. What an encouraging word for us this morning. Now I want you to first see the, the, the start of a Davidic ruler. Look, look at what it says. Then a shoot, verse 1, then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. You see, all throughout the book of Ezekiel, or I'm not, we're not in Ezekiel, we're not Isaiah. All throughout the first part of this book of Isaiah, he talks about the tall trees of Assyria and the tall trees of Israel, but then that God is going to cut them down. God is going to wipe them out. God is going to cut them down, and he does this. He uses Assyria to come in and attack Israel and to cut them down, but then God says, I'm going to do the same thing to Assyria. Now, here's what, what the picture, this imagery, is that everything is bare. Everything is, is, is laid waste. But out of, a, out of one of these stumps, they'll bear a shoot. Now, if you could go to Israel, you would understand this. Olive trees, the stumps of olive trees, are never die. If you chop down a tree here, uh, an oak tree or other things, now I'm, I, I'm not a tree expert, but I, I think this is true, is that the stump will eventually die and, and that it, it won't you know, uh, be able to produce any more life if you chop it down far enough. But an olive tree, it's, it's, its stump is dormant. And what they'll do is they'll, you can take what looks to be so dead of an olive tree and you can make a cut in that olive tree and graft in a single branch, a single shoot, and out of it, something will begin to grow. This is why the Bible says in Romans that we've been grafted in as Gentiles. In the book of Romans in the 11th chapter, that we've been grafted into the branch of Jesse. 
Because Christ has done that for us. Because we were not God's chosen people of Israel, but because his sacrifice came for the whole entire world, for all who will believe, we've been grafted in now to the branch of Jesse. Now, this is the idea, is that out of everything that we see around us, there is no life, it looks like it is completely hopeless, a shoot comes out. And I know that doesn't maybe speak to you as much, but it does me because everywhere I look, guys, it just looks like things are completely hopeless in our nation right now. That we are, we are as divided as we have ever been. And it just looks like, is there any hope? And then God just brought me to this passage this, this week and just said, yes, it's me. It's Jesus Christ. The shoot that is growing out of this stump. And a branch from his roots will bear fruit. That's the church. Now, I want you to see the character of this Davidic, of this Davidic ruler. Look at verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Now, hold your place and go with me to Matthew chapter 3. I'm going to show you something. Matthew chapter 3. Hold your place. I don't have this on the screen. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16. After Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And there came a voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son. I take delight in him. Look at what it talks about his character. The spirit, back in, back in Isaiah, in verse, verse 2, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. We, we, we saw this at his baptism. A spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength. Now, the same words that are used in these two, these two portions right here, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, is the same idea of Isaiah chapter 9. Now, back up with me to Isaiah chapter 9. This is why I believe so much of what we see in this passage is talking about the, the, the return of Christ, the millennial kingdom that will be set up. Because it tells us in verse 6, you read it during Christmas time, for a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. That happened, right? And the government will be on his shoulders. Did that ever happen? No. He was a suffering servant. As a matter of fact, when we see Jesus ride in in the triumphal uh, uh, entry uh, into Jerusalem, he's on a donkey, not a horse. Now, just just to let you know, that would be like taking a uh, what I the first car I ever drove which was a 92 Ford Tempo, that would be like taking it down to the drag strip and racing a, a dragster. I'm not going to win, right? The same thing is that's, that's crazy that Jesus would ride in on a donkey because no military general, no conquering king would have rode on a donkey in battle. He would have been slayed very easily. Jesus rides in saying, I'm a suffering servant. But this is the prophecy that is given in Isaiah that the government is going to be on his shoulders. Well, it will be. When he comes back and he sets up his kingdom. He will be named Wonderful Counselor. Circle that. Wonderful Counselor. I know you know this scripture, but I, wanna, I, just, wanna, I just want you to understand the, the, the brevity of this. Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. 
The fact that it says in Isaiah 11 that a spirit of wisdom and understanding will rest upon him. Well, it will because he is the wonderful counselor. That's one of his names. He has all knowledge, all wisdom. He, hasn't, he doesn't have to go and, and, and poll a, a focus group and say, what do you think the nation needs to know about this? What do you think people are going to say about this? He doesn't have to go consult you know, professors and all of these things. He has all knowledge, all truth, all wisdom. He is the wonderful counselor. And this is what he tells us. A spirit of counsel and strength because he is the mighty God. He is the mighty God. There is nothing more powerful than God whatsoever. Nothing that can exceed His power. No one can suppress His power. He is the mighty God. And no one will thwart His uh, sovereign plan and His sovereign will. He will be carried out because He is the mighty God. But here's a good one. Ready? He's the eternal Father. He is a good, good Father. Everything that you've ever felt from a good earthly father will not even compare to what you feel from God in eternity because he is the eternal father. Look at what it says. Go back with me. And then one more, the prince of peace. I put this in my, uh, my Facebook post and I'm just going to say it again. You will never have to fear his administration or his, his decisions or the decrees that he carries out, because he is the prince of peace. It is peace that we need during these times, isn't it? But it's also a sense of truth and a sense of hope that we need during these times. So go back with me to Isaiah 11. Sorry. Got a little carried away. Spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight will be in the fear of the Lord. You know, the Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. You say, well, what's that mean? Do I, do I fear him? Do I, do, am I just walking around totally afraid? Well, it's partly that. We don't have to be a, we don't have to fear him as in that, that we're afraid he's going to, to absolutely pour out his wrath on us because he's already carried out on his son. But we fear him knowing that his judgment can come to us. But also the fear of the Lord also carries with it this idea of a reverence for God. And that we care about him more than we care about anything else. We are more reverent to him than we are anything else. And sadly today the American church is more reverent toward other things than they are the Lord. We care more about what our neighbors think than what God thinks. We care more about what our buddies at work thinks than what God thinks. We, are, we have lost this idea of the fear of the Lord, of to have a high regard, a, 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 the deepest reverence whatsoever for the Lord. His weight should carry, his opinion should carry more weight than anyone else. And it says this, that this Davidic ruler who we know as Jesus Christ, his delight will be in the fear of the Lord. Look at it, look else at his character. Think about this week. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. Now we get the news and all of this information from television. We get it from social media. We get all these things. And then we pass sentence, don't we, very easily. And many of us, we don't know what's actually going on. Many of us, we realize that things are being hidden behind the scenes and, and that other people have tried to hide and cover up in different things in, in, in all of life. God sees right through that. 
He doesn't have to. His delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. He will not execute justice by what he hears with his ears. But he will judge the poor righteously and execute justice for the oppressed of the land. I wrote this out from my Bible. Maybe this will help you. No one will get an unfair trial. No one will feel like that justice wasn't served. No one will feel like that justice wasn't carried out. No one will, feel, will, will walk away from uh, uh, his judgment going, that's not right. Why? Because his character is righteousness. His character is that he is just. And when he sets up his earthly kingdom and he sets up the millennial kingdom, he will judge it righteously. Look at what it says. He will strike the land with discipline from his mouth. And he will kill the wicked with a command from his lips. Now we know that when Christ comes back, the Bible says that he slays his enemies with the word of God. And, and that, that he is coming back on that white horse with, with all of the host of heaven with him, you and I. And that he is going to demolish these enemies. But in the millennial kingdom, there are going to be people who escape uh, who escape that, that uh, uh, judgment. Um, and they're, they're going to live through that. They're also going to live through the tribulation. But God is going to judge these people in the millennial kingdom. They'll be natural ones. And also you and I will be there. So they'll have natural bodies. They'll have the natural inclinations to sin. Even though Satan's going to be bound and his demons are going to be bound. There, there'll be a, a natural inclination to complain like the children of Israel did. There'll be a natural inclination to not want the good things of God. And God is going to judge them. God is going to rule over them because you and I, we won't need to be judged or ruled. We'll have an immortal body. We, we will be forever with Christ in this millennial kingdom. But those that God gives, you don't believe me. Let me just take you to Revelation chapter 20 so you just get it. Revelation chapter 20. I know you don't believe me. I can just see it in you. Revelation chapter 20. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the abyss and a great chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss, closed it, and put a seal on it so that he would no longer deceive the nations until the a thousand years were completed. After that, he must be released for a short time. I told you I'm a dispensationalist. I believe in a literal translation of the word of God. A thousand years means a thousand years, not some allegory. Then I saw thrones and people seated on them who were given authority to judge. I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of God's word who had not worshipped the beast or his image and who had not accepted the mark on their foreheads or their hands. These are people who came through the tribulation, lost their life as martyrs, and now here they are in the millennial kingdom. They came to life and reigned with the Messiah for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the a thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. This second death has no power over these, but they will be priests of God and the Messiah, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Now, why would they need to be priests? Why? Because for the, the ones who are natural... That, that, have, that have lived through this, that come into the millennial kingdom, they are going to be the mediator between them and God because they're still natural, right? 
Now, here's another one. When the 1,000 years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations at the four corners of the earth. So there are those who are natural who can still be deceived. Do you see that? Gog and Magog, those are just nations against God, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. So there's many of them. They came up over the surface of the earth and surrounded the encampment of the saints, the beloved city. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed them. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Listen, when God sets up his kingdom, there is nothing that is going to thwart it. There's nothing going to stop it. There's nothing going to to try to minimize it or contain it because he will rule it righteously and justly. There will be no crime. Imagine a world with no crime. Imagine a world with, 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 with no evil because God will judge it righteously. Look at what it says. Righteousness, back to Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 5. Righteousness and faithfulness will be a belt around his waist. This is still the character, and I'm almost, I'm getting there. Righteousness and faithfulness will be a belt around his waist. This is his character. This is God's character. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. When he comes back, this Davidic ruler that is the shoot that grows from the stump of Jesse, and we read about his character, this is his character. So you don't have to worry about, well, what's going to happen to the wicked? And and why are these people prospering? And God, why do you allow this? And why do you allow that? Listen to me. People who are rejecting Jesus, and it looks like they are prospering, and that they are progressing, all they are doing, the Bible says, is storing up wrath for the day of judgment. What he says. Now, here is the overall view of this kingdom. Now, I want you to read these with me and think if you've ever seen these together. The wolf will live with the lamb. Nope, right? Wolves kill lambs. And the leopard will lie down with the goat. No, they don't. (laughs) Not right now, right? Uh, Keep going. The calf. The young lion and the fatling will be together. Have you ever seen that without one of them being dead? Not me. And a child will lead them. There's a lion. Let's let this little child lead them. The cow and the bear will graze. Their young ones will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like an ox. An infant will play beside the cobra's pit, and a toddler will put his hand into a snake's den. No one will harm or destroy on my entire holy mountain. This is the millennial reign. This is the millennial kingdom. For the land will be as full, listen to this, of the knowledge of the Lord as the sea is filled with water. What a wonderful thing to behold. What a wonderful thing for our minds to even try to grasp and understand. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. The lion will be with the the cow and the goat. An infant will play beside the cobra's pit. 
all of these things, we've never seen it. You know why? Because there's going to be a mass transformation. Because when Christ sets up his reign, when Christ sets up his kingdom, when Christ sets up everything that he has to set up, everything will be transformed. And you say, what do you mean? This is the way it was supposed to be in the very beginning before sin entered into the picture. This is how it was always supposed to be. Verse 10, on that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will seek him and his resting place will be glorious. So let me encourage you and let me share just a couple of things to those of you who have not accepted Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, let me encourage you that every time you see evil around you, every time you see something happening, it doesn't mean that God isn't giving his judgment on our nation. It doesn't thwart his sovereignty in any way. But I want you to be encouraged and be reminded and look heavenward at where we're headed and what we're going to have one day and what we're going to behold. This is only, listen folks, this is only the millennial kingdom. This is not the new heaven and the new earth that comes after the millennial kingdom. When the earth and everything we know it is destroyed and a new heaven and a new earth is for all of God's children who have accepted him. This is just a picture, just a taste of the millennial kingdom. Can you imagine the new heaven and the new earth? I mean, we have, we have portions of it in Revelation 21, but we can't even begin to comprehend it of what God has prepared for us. So take encouragement this morning from everything that you see. Don't stop praying for people in this world to, to come to know Christ. You say, Zach, I want, I want God's kingdom to come to this earth. Well, I do too in the millennial kingdom. But also part of his kingdom already has come. Because you have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit indwells you as followers of Christ. That means you are to fulfill his mission. That means you are to carry out his plans. That means you are to, to be the ambassador of the gospel. So keep doing those things. Don't quit praying for your country. Don't just throw your hands up like the Thessalonians did and just say, well, you know, if, if, if God's going to come back, then we'll just do nothing and, and we'll just sit here and just wait on him. No, don't do that. Get busy. Start fulfilling his mission if you're not because Christ is coming back and he is going to set up his kingdom. And either you have accepted Christ or you haven't. And for those of you that have not accepted Jesus, let me tell you this. The church will be raptured, and you will be left here in the great tribulation. All you have to do is accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He has given his entire life for you. The completed work of the cross. Everything that he has given his life for was for, so that you could have eternal life. For God so loved the world, you know it, that he gave his one and only son whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life he wants you to have that eternal life this morning so here's the invitation as rick comes forward to just play just just simply i want you to be encouraged believers but i also want you to understand that this is serious 
that the fear of the Lord is serious business. And when we depart from him and we turn from him and we just kind of, ah, you know, I'll get back to the things of God. I want to live what I want to live. That's serious business. We can usher in the judgment of God, the chastening of God, the discipline of God. You say, well, I'm a believer. Yeah, absolutely we can. We can face God's judgment. We can face God's discipline. We won't face his final judgment. That's only reserved for those who've rejected Jesus as the Lord. So if you need to come this morning, I don't, I don't know what you need to do as believers. Maybe you need to come and repent of sin. Maybe you need to come and thank God for what he has planned for us. Maybe you need to come and just ask God to deal with a certain situation in your life. I'll be here ready to pray with you. But if you need to accept Christ, I'll be here as well. Just say, Zach, I'm ready to accept Jesus. I'll be right here. Will you stand to your feet?